And you can go ahead and take a seat, everyone. Thank you, worship team. That was, that was beautiful today. And, and yes, the Christmas season continues. Um, so once again, Happy New Year. I'm glad that we have so many faces here in person, and we, I know, also have so many sleepy heads online as well. So we're glad that you're here too, though. And just amazing part of technology that we're able to do that kind of stuff. Um, so um, I just have a couple of questions just to start out since it's like 2023, brand new start here. Um, uh, the first is, who actually stayed up past midnight last night? Raise. Okay, wow, wow, that's good. Who went to bed? Just be honest. Okay, that's okay too, right? 2023 still came, even though you went to bed. Um, how about this? Who is going to eat pork and sauerkraut today? Okay, yes, so I'm learning here. I'm semi-new to central Pennsylvania, the German heritage, and um, yes, seems to be a very, very big tradition, and like good luck, start off on the right foot. Well, I hope that you've had a um, wonderful week, whether you were at work or had some time off in between Christmas, New Year's, just some time to pause and reflect and maybe spend some time with friends, family, catch up with some people, and maybe even catch up on some of the shows, right? You've been watching, whether streaming or maybe some, some old ones, movies that you like to watch year after year in the Christmas season. Um, it tends to be the case with me. I like to look back as well as look at some of the, the new ones that have come out, whether like Disney Channel, Netflix, that kind of thing. Well, uh, I shared before in a previous message about a fascination that I have with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, the one I watch every single year, um, but, but I, I want to start off today with talking about another movie that I love that I think others have shared as well, and that is Home Alone. Yeah? Home Alone? Yeah, that's, that's just an awesome one. Maybe you have a tradition of watching movies around the holidays, and you watch this one too. And I remember, um, actually first, I remember seeing this in the movie theater as a kid, so, believe it or not, and I saw it as a kid. I remember, like, watching it year after year, and then, like, there's Home Alone 2 and Home Alone 3 and all that. Um, and I remember, like, as a kid, like, this was, like, your dream, right? Like, even if you weren't a kid when this came out, like, you can think back to when you were a kid and be like, this is your dream that, like, you're by yourself and you have the run of the house and the run of everything. You don't have to answer to anybody. You just run around all day and you eat candy and have fun and play with lots of things, stay up as late as you want, right? At least the kind of beginning of this story when this little boy is left home alone. Um, but, but the thing is, as I've watched this movie year after year, as I get older, I identify less with Kevin, the young boy, and more with the adults in the story. I don't know if that's the case for you, but more with like the parents, because they, of course, enter the story with, they have an agenda for Christmas. They have an agenda and a plan to travel to, does anybody remember where? Paris, Paris, France is where they're taking the family for Christmas vacation, and they have it all planned out, and everything is there, but then the whole thing like falls apart. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, like you had plans and psh, just all fall apart. And the story starts off, the whole family's getting ready, they're all there in that house. And first the electricity goes out, so the alarm doesn't go off. This is the days before the cell phones and everything. So they oversleep the alarm, they're in a rush to leave, and they're packing everybody up, throwing everybody in the car, and of course... Kevin's mom has this sinking feeling that she's forgotten something that happens to be her son 
Kevin, but there's so many other family members that are gathering together and they're all packing up and they're leaving in the vehicles. And it's not until later, hours and hours later, that there's a scene in the movie, very famous scene of Catherine O'Hare. She stands up and yells, Kevin! She forgot Kevin. In such a hurry, she forgot one of the most important things, one of their kids. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Have you ever forgotten one of your kids? Um, but, but think about that. Have you ever had that feeling? Ever had that feeling, that sinking feeling that you've forgotten something? Something. And maybe not a kid. Maybe it's not been a child in your life. But maybe something else. Feeling that you've missed something important or you've forgotten something important. Maybe you've just been so busy with the pace of life, everything's going so fast, and, and, or you've, you've had kind of that sinking feeling and just been ignoring it or, or putting it off. And I wonder, I wonder today, if kind of coming out of such a very busy season, a busy month for many of us, um, maybe you've been in a lot of, uh, much of a hurry, but maybe, maybe you've forgotten some important things along the way. See, a lot of times at the beginning of a new year, we have all these things that we want to do, resolutions, and of course everybody fails at them, and there's all the statistics and things, but, but what if the better question is, what, are, what is something I need to return to? Something maybe that I began a while ago, or I began last year, something that I've been forgetting and that I'm being drawn away from, something to return to. Well, today we're going to look at basically a home alone moment in scripture, a home alone moment when everybody is going home from a holiday, and what is left behind is something very, very important, and that important thing or person is Jesus, is Jesus. See, if we fast forward in the Gospel of Luke, right, we have four accounts of life and ministry of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke gives us one version of the Christmas story in Luke 1 to Luke chapter 2. Matthew also has a version that um, Olivia is going to be sharing with next week as she's going to bring the message um, with the Magi and the Epiphany. Um, but anyway, but in, Luke, in Luke's gospel, it kind of fast forwards a, a, a significant amount of time to a time when Jesus is a child. Jesus is a little bit older. And there's a story there that really has grabbed my attention when it comes to this idea of leaving something important behind. And so Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41 to 51, we'll have that up on the screen. It's also in your worship guide too, if you want to follow along or take that home. And so Luke tells us every year, Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, so this is fast forward 12 years from the first Christmas, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts. Three days. Three days they were looking. Temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. When his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? This is Mary. Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. 
Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. So this is a very significant story in this gospel. It's unique to Luke's gospel, and it's significant for a couple of reasons. Um, The first being that it's the only story that we actually have of the boy Jesus, of Jesus as a child. Um, The story before this, Jesus is two years old. He's a toddler. And then the next story that we have in chronological order is when he's about 30 years old. So there's a huge gap there, but it's the only story we have of Jesus as a child at 12 years old. And and it's also also the first time that Jesus' words are recorded in Scripture. It's probably not the first time he spoke. He probably spoke a long time before then, but, but the first record that we have of Jesus speaking. You know, some Bibles have like red letters when Jesus is speaking. That's not the first red letters in Scripture. But it's also the last time we hear of Joseph. Last time we hear of Joseph as the father, the earthly father of Jesus. And you think about that as basically an adoptive father. Joseph being thrust into the scene to take upon this situation with Mary and what's going on. And, and this is the last time we hear of him. And some we don't actually know what happened to Joseph. Some traditions say that he was an older gentleman that was married to Mary, so there was an age difference there, and he probably had passed away. Um, uh, there's lots and lots of stories about what could have happened. But you imagine, this is just the last time that we hear of him. But if we, if we look at the story, we see that just like every good Jewish family at the time, that, that there was a tradition or, that everybody would leave home to head to Jerusalem to celebrate the biggest religious festival of the year, which was Passover. Passover, usually in the springtime when we're celebrating Easter now as Christians or sometimes in overlap. It's the preparation of the Passover. And, and it was like it was, everybody did this, that you, everybody would go home for the holiday. It was kind of like going home for Christmas, but instead of like some of you guys, like going to Philly or going to Pittsburgh or going to Perry County, I don't know what your options were there, everybody is going to Jerusalem. I always have to pick on Perry County. I'm sorry. I ran a race there yesterday. Awesome people love Perry County, but, but everybody is going to Jerusalem. Everybody's going to the big city. And so it was typical since everybody's headed home for the holiday or home to Jerusalem as that that celebration point, there were caravans of people. And so it was very typical for a family to join a caravan that was making the same trip because it was a safety thing, right? You're traveling in numbers, robbers are less likely to encounter larger groups of people. Um, Think about like entertainment for the kids, right? They got some friends along, they can play together, not bother you. It was really great. And so what they did, they arrived in Jerusalem, and they would stay for about that week's period of time celebrating the Passover, and then they would pack up and join the caravan to go back home. And the map we have up there is just an illustration of the distance that, that Mary and Joseph and Jesus would have taken to go to Jerusalem and then head home at that point. But the story says that Jesus, though, doesn't go back. He doesn't go back with Mary and Joseph and the caravan of people, but he also doesn't tell anybody. He doesn't tell anybody that he's staying behind. And because of that, even though his parents don't lay eyes on him at the time, 
they assume that he's with them. They assume he's with them because he didn't say anything, right? He didn't say anything otherwise. I mean, it's like Home Alone. There's a scene in Home Alone when there's all the kids and the family and the relatives and everybody's there. And, and there's this scene of like the counting of kids and the counting of family members, and Catherine O'Hare's going like, one, two, three, and like everybody's <clears throat> running around at that point. It's so hard, and they're just like, oh, everybody's here, right? Maybe you've done that before. Maybe that's happened to you. When, when you looked around, you just assume that so-and-so is with you, but guess what? They're not. Or you assume that one of the parents is going to be picking up the child, and another assumes the same thing, right? We have all these assumptions. I remember when I was a kid, I was playing soccer, and I had soccer practice at the nearby middle school. And um, this is in the days before cell phones, right? You didn't have anything like call mom and dad, that kind of thing. And it was after hours, so the school itself that was on the property there at the soccer fields wasn't open. I remember finishing soccer practice and then like standing there, and all the parents are like coming and picking everybody up, and standing there, standing there, like, where's mom? Where's dad? Like. Nobody's there, and I think everybody had left at that point. Somehow, I just remember this. I don't know why. I like, was walking home, and eventually, I saw, I think, my mom or my dad's car like, pull up and be like, we're so sorry. We thought that like, he was picking her up. She was picking her you know. Maybe, has that ever happened to you? Right? The lines crossed. You think that, oh, everybody's here. Oh, she's taking care of it. He's taking care of it. Well, that's like, what's happening here. While they're traveling, though, <clears throat> there's that sinking feeling that Mary has. A sinking feeling. And they look, and Jesus is nowhere to be found. Has that ever happened to you? Like you're shopping, you're like, oh my gosh, where is he? Where is she? Like, you know, there's just like, what is going on? And all those thoughts run through your mind. And think about what Mary was probably thinking and Joseph. Like, what happened to him? Oh my gosh. Like, you know, and, and they know who Jesus is, by the way. You know, they're still trying to figure out how it's all going to come together, but they're trying to figure out what's going on, and he's not there, and they realize that. And it's that Kevin moment, I believe, that Mary had, even though it's not recorded. The Catherine O'Hare moment, the realization, oh my gosh, Jesus is not with us. But then there's that moment of determination that Luke kind of alludes to here that Mary's going to do whatever it takes to find Jesus. She's going to do whatever it takes. Because Mary realizes they've forgotten the most important thing. They've forgotten the most important thing. That Mary and Joseph would do anything at this point to get Jesus back. Think about it. They drop everything. They leave the safety of the caravan. I mean, these are like backcountry roads. You don't know who you're going to find. They leave the safety of that after traveling a full day to go back by themselves. Like, what a risk that was. What a risk for them. But they drop everything to go back to what's most important. See, I think the problem is, for many of us, is that, that we get kind of caught up in things in life, and it's so much easier just to keep going and going and going, and before you know it, you look back, and you're like so far behind, or you're so far ahead of everything else. And, and we just think that like, okay, well, I, I just like keep, keep heading in this direction, and I'm too far gone, I'm too far back, and it's so hard to turn around, it's so hard to head in a new direction. It reminds me of the story of uh, an elderly couple who had realized that their memories were not working as they had used to. I don't know if that's the case for you, but, but they had a great idea, this couple. The husband and wife decided that they were going to start writing everything down. 
they had all these sticky notes, they had things everywhere, and they were going to write everything down to help each other remember. Well, there was one day that this, uh, this couple was together in the living room, and the husband said, you know what, hon, I have a craving for an ice cream sundae, chocolate ice cream with, with whipped cream and a cherry on top. Would you do me a favor? Would you be able to go to the kitchen and make me that? And the wife got up, and she starts walking in the kitchen. He says, well, wait, wait, where's your notepad, right? Write these things down. We're forgetting a little bit more. And she's like, oh, phooey, like, I'll remember that. So she goes into the kitchen. About 20 minutes later, she reappears with eggs and hash browns and orange juice and comes and hands it to him and says, here you go, honey. And he looks at her and scowls at her and says, you forgot the toast, right? We don't know what we don't know. <laughs> we keep heading in the same direction. But when we realize it, when you do realize it and you realize the value of it, it's so wise to drop everything and get back to where you need to be. Even if it means admitting a weakness, even it means revisiting something that you haven't participated in in a long time. You know, we have these things in life that, I, that many of us call wake-up moments. Maybe you've had a few, a wake-up moment. And they're, they're gifts, really, to us. You know, that, that we've been going along so far, we haven't realized that, that, you know, we're heading in the wrong direction or getting into trouble, we're kind of off the, off the road. And then you kind of have that moment. Maybe it's a health situation, maybe it's a relationship thing, maybe it's a work thing, maybe, and you're like, you have that wake-up moment? Like, that's a huge gift, because that's an opportunity to turn around, to turn around. See, it's wise to change directions instead of just keeping going on what is the easy thing. It's good to get back to what really matters. See, just reflecting on this story, though, I was thinking about this. I wonder for myself, what would make me drop everything and turn around to go back? What would make me drop everything and turn around to go back? What would make you drop everything and turn around and go back? What's, what's that important? What's something that you could be missing or maybe forgetting now. See, once Mary and Joseph realize it, they rush back to Jerusalem. Back to Jerusalem. They've traveled a full day. It probably takes them maybe just about that. And then the scripture says they look for three whole days. Think about that. They're wandering around this big city for three days. A lot can happen in three days, right? I mean, just look at the weather, right? A lot can change in three days, <laughs> But also when it, when it comes to kids, right? Like there's scary people out there. Like as every moment ticks, something else could be happening. It could be taken somewhere else. And they search everywhere and end up at the temple and they find Jesus. What is he doing? He's just hanging out. He's hanging out and he's in his own little world with these teachers and scholars. He's asking questions of them. He's responding and astonishing them. And they're shocked. And we can't really tell from the scripture. Uh, Luke doesn't really tell us if they're angry. <laughs> um, but we kind of glimpse what they're feeling when Mary says, why have you treated us like this? I mean, think about this. Mary herself, she got angry at Jesus. Like, the very human thing, right? And many of us have probably had this come out of our mouths to those younger than us. What were you thinking, right? 
It's like the same thing. But Jesus responds, why are you all worked up, Mom? Why are you worked up? Didn't you know that I'd be here? I've been right here the whole time where I need to be. See, Jesus is saying, you're so in a hurry. You're so scattered. You're so busy. But guess what? You left me behind. Jesus was just waiting for them, just waiting for them to come back. He wasn't worried at all. See, Christmas is a season that we all know that, of course, involves children. There's lots of, of kids, whether commercials, whether you have kids of your own, there's that anticipation, that excitement. But I think looking at kids, we can also learn from them. That there's that joy and excitement, that there's this, this faith and belief in miracles and, and wonder. But I think kids can also teach us how to be fully present now about what's most important. And if you've ever been around kids, you know that kids don't hurry. <laughs> Not hurry one bit. I mean, maybe they hurry for like two things, right? Their favorite food or their favorite toy. But if you go on a walk with a child, maybe like three or four, like it takes forever. Like they want to stop and look at every single thing. It takes forever. Maybe you have to be somewhere. Maybe go to school or have an activity. And that takes forever too because they're not worried about leaving. They linger. They want to play with that thing. They want to touch that. Have you got your shoes on? No, no. We're just sitting here watching TV, right? Kids have a unique ability to soak up what's in front of them, what's most important. And of course, today... Today's January 1st, and the temptation for all of us is to turn to the next thing, the next page, the, the next day. Tomorrow, it may be off to the races again for you, and that's an option, but the risk is we may be missing the most important things and leaving them behind. See, like Mary and Joseph, many of us are hurrying to get back to life, but maybe what we really need to do is to pause and reflect because there's this 12-year-old Jesus reminding us not to get back so fast, not to move on, that there's another way. That it, instead of moving on, Jesus invites us to stop and to pause and to ask, what have we forgotten that maybe we have to return to? What have you forgotten that you need to return to? Maybe the new year is less about adding and changing things and new programs and new things you're going to do and goals and more about continuing what you just started that was good in 2022. In the new year, what are you so focused on that, that the plans that are ahead that maybe you've forgotten about the person you're becoming? Maybe it's about starting fresh, getting back to the things and the people who really matter. Maybe for you it's a return to spiritual life, to your spiritual life, maybe devotional life, maybe reading scripture. Maybe it's a return to church or a commitment to church or to take a risk of connecting in a group or in a new ministry or being intentional about time with God, returning to those things. Maybe even that you began last year. See, maybe, maybe like Mary and Joseph, you're risking leaving Jesus behind. And many of us may be feeling that nudge that we've been missing something. We've forgotten something, or we will forget something. To realize life is more than just money and, and time and, and jobs and activities and programs. That to realize our need 
and our deeper desire for a living faith and a connection to God. So this New Year's Day, I want to invite you to go back, to, to hold back from jumping into the next thing, to ask what's most important, what have I been missing, what do I need to return to? Because just like the story says, the good news is that you'll find Jesus waiting for you. He's waiting. The good news is he has not gone anywhere, that he waits on us. And to know that in this New Year's Day, Jesus is for you. He's for you. He waits for you. That regardless of what's taken place in the last year, to know that there are lessons, there are things that you've learned and grown from, but that there are also things that are good to return to, to reclaim, to know that, that Jesus continues to work through them and to them and in you. Let's pray.